we're in a sermon series where we are looking at the Ten Commandments. We've called this series Free to Flourish, God's Gift of the Ten Commandments. And what we're doing in this series is we're literally just walking through each of these Ten Commandments that God has given us in his word, both in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Um, and today we come to the fourth commandment, the commandment to remember the Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath day. And uh, so we're going to look at, normally so far we've just been reading the Exodus account. This morning I want to read the Exodus and the Deuteronomy account before we get started to help us, gives us a better understanding of what God's calling us to in this. And uh, so if you want to follow along, you can find both of these passages printed in your bulletin. And uh, I'm going to read them, pray, and then we'll dive in and, and look at them together. So this is God's word from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, and Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15. Hear now God's word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days... The Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In Deuteronomy 5, verse 12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, this time that we get to come and gather and sing to you and um, be with one another and to uh, hear about what you're doing um, here. And, and now, that we can, now that we can come and uh, sit under your word and hear you uh, speak to us, thank you for these commandments you've given us and specifically this one we're looking at today. And I know even just reading that, um, I'm reminded of how much I, I need rest, how tired I often feel uh, from so many uh, different reasons. And I know that's true of, of us as a people coming in here with so many things going on in our lives, um, good and bad, um, joyful and very difficult. And so um, we come to you as people who are weary, who are burdened, who are heavy laden and ask that you would give us rest even now as we uh, look at this commandment to do it. And uh, come Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In September 1988, the late great pastor, Eugene Peterson, began an article that he wrote for Christianity Today like this. He says, I got into it early and engaged in my sin with gusto. As I developed in the Christian faith, I was examined and instructed in ways to discern, repent of, and defend against the classic sins that interfered with faith and love and hope. 
When I became a pastor, I was subject to even more rigorous examination. But not once did anyone call me on this sin. Instead, I was, if you can believe it, commended for my law-breaking. In fact, at one critical point in my life, when I was out of control, obsessive in my indulgence of this sin, I was rewarded with the largest single annual increase in salary I have ever received. He continues, it is the American bargain basement sin on sale in virtually every American church. The sin, Sabbath breaking, the willful violation of the fourth commandment. Now this article is provocatively called Confessions of a Former Sabbath Breaker, and it is very late 80s, early 90s in its presentation with pictures of Eugene Peterson and his pastoral collar pretending uh, to pose for mugshots at the beginning. You can see it here, yeah, it's, it's great. I wish we could go back to some of this style. Um, and obviously it's a physical print. It wasn't online. The version I saw was a scanned copy like you see there of the physical um, article. But as dated as some of the presentation may be, what Peterson says in the article is not. And if anything, what he wrote nearly 35 years ago about himself and the American church in general is even more true, I would argue, than it was back then. And as I said, this summer we are in a series where we're looking at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments God has given us that tell us how he wants us to live. And as we've said throughout this series, these are commandments that don't just tell us how to live the right way, but that tell us how to flourish, how to live the full life. And all the commandments challenge us deeply. They expose us. They show us how we need grace and how we need to change. But for the most part, even though they are also challenging to us, they make sense why they're on the list. Don't worship other gods. Don't make images of God. Watch the way I talk about him. Honor my parents, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal or lie or covet anything that my neighbors have. But squeezed in there, right in the middle, is the fourth commandment. To remember the Sabbath. To take a day off. If we're honest, this feels like the odd one out. It doesn't seem to fit with the other ones. It doesn't seem to be as serious. It feels more like a good idea, a good suggestion from God, less of a commandment that's necessary for our flourishing and for us to mature and to become the people that God created us to be. So as Eugene Peterson says, it ends up being a command we virtually ignore and even willingly break. And I'll say for me personally, I wouldn't say I'm really good at any of these commandments and we haven't gone through all of them yet, but so far this has easily been the most convicting and challenging one for me to prepare to preach on because I see the same thing in my own heart in my own life and in the broader culture we're in, it feels like I'm up against so much both internally and externally as I uh, stand up here to lead us to, to think about this today. It would be a lot easier. I would feel a lot more comfortable talking about it if it was just a good suggestion. But of course, it's not. It's one of these 10 foundational commandments God has given us to lead us into loving him and each other with all of our hearts. And so that's how we're gonna look at it today. We're going to look at it that way. And spending time with it the last few days, what I want to do as we look at it is I want to try to put before you and put before myself again the amazing invitation there is in this commandment. Talking about Sabbath, it can be easy to focus on what you can't and what you can't do and not saying all those conversations 
are bad, but that's not the approach we're going to take. This morning, I, I want to just focus on the invitation God has for us in it. And let's do that by asking three questions. First, why is this commandment so difficult? Why is it so difficult for us? Second, what is God inviting us into with it? What is the invitation? And then finally, we'll get a little more practical and ask, in light of that, how can we get started? And so let's start with the first question. Why is this commandment so difficult? Let's start here. Before we get to the invitation, let, let's try to address some of the dynamics we were just talking about. Why Eugene Peterson, even as a pastor, wasn't discouraged, but was even encouraged in his breaking of it. Why for us it feels the way it does. Why we might like the idea of the Sabbath, but it's, it's not something in large part we take that seriously as, uh, as a big part of our discipleship and following of Jesus Well, what exactly is God calling us to to do in the fourth commandment? Let's look at it again, the Exodus version, starting in verse 8. Again, God says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Well, the Hebrew word for Sabbath means to cease, or it means to stop. And there have been and continue to be different opinions about what this Sabbath command means for the church today. But I I like the definition Pete Scazzaro gives. He he defines a biblical Sabbath as a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Say that again, a 24-hour block of time where we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. And in our tradition, we practice the Sabbath today on, on Sunday, the Lord's Day, the day when Jesus rose again from the grave. That's when we gather here for worship like we do. And it sounds great when you just hear it. It sounds beautiful. But why is it so hard to do and why is it so easy to ignore. Well, surely it has to do with the pace of life we live with today. Surely our technology and how hard it is to disconnect from our work and all our responsibilities and entertainment and relationships is a big part of it. We could talk about those things, but there's something deeper, something, believe it or not, we can trace all the way back to the people of God who first received this commandment. Because see, the people who got this from God originally through Moses were people who had literally not had a day off in 400 years. As slaves, they didn't get weekends off. They didn't get PTO vacation days. They worked and worked and worked all the time, seven days a week, all year long. They were tools of production for the nation of Egypt. That's who they were. And that's what they did. They had no concept for healthy rhythms of work and rest. You could say they were human doings. They didn't know how to live without working and without doing all the time. And so God comes to them in this commandment and he gives them this. This is the longest and most detailed of the commandments, by the way. And he tells them, I want you to rest. I want you to take a day off every seven days. And I want this to become a a foundational part of your new identity as the people who belong to me, people who don't work all the time, but who do take a break and who do rest. 
And in many ways, you and me, we have such a different story than they did. We do get weekends off. We do take vacations. We've, we've had the, most of us probably had the, the fourth off even this week. We, we don't literally have to work all the time. We don't have a taskmaster like Pharaoh driving behind us. But as you listen to that, isn't there a lot there that, that does sound familiar as we think about ourselves? Think about it. When you meet someone for the first time after you've exchanged names, what's the first thing you normally share with the person you're talking to? Or if you're the one initiating the conversation, what's the first question you ask someone after you've heard what their name is? What do you do? What do you do? And as a pastor, this is a question I like to avoid as long as possible because you never know what people think about a pastor. I've learned um, it's kind of a low uh, floor, low ceiling situation right? Um, except for with a small group of people who are excited to talk about it. You may not also not like getting this question, or you may love getting it. But either way, it's, it's what we ask. What do you do? And what you do is a part of who you are, but that's not who you are, first of all. We're not human doings. We're human beings. But like the Israelites back then coming out of Egypt, we really struggle to see ourselves this way. We struggle to see ourselves apart from what we do. Of course, what we do for work, more broadly though, what we bring to the table, what we've achieved, the talents and skills we have, anything productive, any, any kind of output we can offer to the world around us. I, I can go back and look in my story and see when I started to internalize this kind of thing for myself. I have memories starting in elementary school when I was probably 10 years old of in the summer deciding not to go and play and hang out with my friends when they were going to go do something fun so I could stay home and practice whatever sport it was that I was into in the moment. Even then, I was starting to believe it's more important for me to sacrifice so that I can do something that matters, do something that's productive. I, I never wanted or, or went to go, uh, went or wanted to go to a summer camp that wasn't some kind of sports camp focused on helping me get better for this reason when I was growing up because I didn't feel like it was going to do anything for me. It wasn't going to be uh, productive, help me do anything. And thankfully, I've, I've grown in that over the years, but it's still something I, I carry with me all the time. Like, who am I? What purpose do I have apart from what I do, what I bring to those around me? And you and me seeing ourselves this way is why. It's at least one of the core reasons why keeping the Sabbath is so difficult. Because when you, when you live like that, when you are what you do, stopping feels like death. The idea of stopping feels like death. Making preparations to actually stop feels like death. And then if you make it that far and actually do stop and take a whole day off from doing, it feels like death. It's terrifying because then you've got to deal with the real human being you are and not the production machine you walk around as most of your life. Ruth Haley Barton in her book, Sacred Rhythms, when she talks about Sabbath, she says, if you try to, if you try to start doing this in your life, what it does is it, it's like opening up a can of worms. It messes with everything. It raises all kinds of issues, obviously with your approach to work. But, but all of it are consuming to our hobbies and our leisure, even to our approach to Christianity, because so much of it is about doing. Doing all the time. That's what we in our world 
revolve around. That's why it's so hard. But that's also what God is going after with the Sabbath. And that's what makes this such a great invitation. Moving to our second question, because what is God inviting us into with the fourth commandment? Well, he's inviting us to be. He's inviting us to be. He's inviting us into a rhythm of life that brings us back to reality that you and I, made in his image, are not human doings, but we're human beings. Yes, we do, and that's important, but first of all, we're to be. And there, there are two aspects of this we can see God inviting us into with this command. If we look at the commandment both in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, we read both of those earlier, and you may have picked up that they're almost identical. They're both four verses, and the first three verses of each are almost word for word with a few slight variations. But then you get to the last verse of each, and they, they give two different reasons for why you're to keep the Sabbath. And in each of them, you get a different aspect of how God's inviting us to be as we practice this day. And so the first one we find in Exodus, and it's an invitation to be a creature. It's an invitation to be a creature. Look at it again, starting in verse 8. He says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For, here's the reason, in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the reason we get in the Exodus account, it, it takes us back to creation. We're to remember this day because or for this is what God did. He worked for six days and then he rested. Genesis 2.2 tells us on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And the God who did this, who worked six days and rested on the seventh, made you and me in his image to also follow and live out this pattern. He didn't create us to do all the time, but as human beings who work and rest like him. So the Sabbath invites us to just be a creature, to be nothing more or less than who God created us to be. It invites us to recognize and even proclaim as we practice it, that God's on the throne and I'm not. That he's running my life. He's running the universe, not me. He's in control and I'm not. He's the creator. I'm a creature, I'm limited. I don't know everything, I can't do everything. I can't give everything everyone around me wants to give them. I can't keep going. I can't keep everything going. I don't have unlimited energy. The truth is I, I have so many needs. I'm so dependent. I need so much help and I need to rest. I need to be revitalized and replenished. I can't do it all, all the time or anytime for that matter. And we feel that kind of thing a lot when life overwhelms us, when we're going too fast, when we're doing too much, when we've overcommitted. But the Sabbath is a weekly invitation to fall into it. 
not to run away from it, not to ignore it or stuff it like we so often do, but to come back down to the ground and just be needy, be dependent, be the creature God made us to be. And so that's the first aspect of this we see here. And then we find the second aspect of this invitation in the Deuteronomy account. The first one was to be a creature. This one is an invitation to be the rescued. So again, the first three verses of Deuteronomy 5 are almost word for word. Then you get to verse 15, which gives you the reasoning. And it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So the Exodus account rooted it in creation. Here in Deuteronomy, it's rooted in redemption. You and I are the creatures. Here in Deuteronomy 5, like I said, yeah, rooted in redemption. God is the rescuer, and you and I are just the rescued. And in so much of our doing, we're wrongfully trying to play the role of creator. We're putting ourselves in God's shoes. We're taking on too much, blowing past our limitations. But also underneath, so much of our doing is a deep need to try and prove ourselves, to try and justify ourselves. You could could say to try and rescue ourselves. Tim Keller calls it the, the work that's beneath the work. And since our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned and were cast out of the garden, this has been our story In so many different ways and through so many different outlets, we've been busy trying to prove ourselves to ourselves, to the people around us, and ultimately to God that we're enough. Through our work, through our relationships, through our service, through our athletic or intellectual artistic abilities, as a friend, as a spouse, as a parent, as a leader in our field. And living like that makes it so hard to stop doing and to rest. And God knows that. And that's, that's one of the key invitations of the Sabbath each week is to stop and remember we don't have to live that way. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to rescue ourselves because God has already done it. For the people of Israel, they were to stop and remember how God rescued them from Egypt. They were to remember every single Sabbath how they were slaves and how they couldn't rescue themselves and God brought them out by his free grace alone. And for us, we do the same thing. Each Sabbath, we stop and remember how God has rescued us when we couldn't save ourselves, but not from Egypt, but through Jesus Christ, from our slavery to sin, from the exhausting treadmill we live on of of always trying to prove ourselves all the time. We stop and remember how Jesus worked so we can rest, how he kept this commandment and every commandment, all the law to perfection in our place and how on the cross, even though he was the perfect law keeper, he was condemned as if he were a lawbreaker for you and for me before breathing his last breath, crying out on the cross, it is finished, right? The work's done. You don't have to, you don't have to prove anything. You don't have to justify yourself. You don't have to rescue yourself. It's done. I've done it for you. The Sabbath is a, a tangible way for you and me to experience in our lives and and even in our bodies the grace we know in our heads and confess with our mouths. It's an invitation to live in the reality that we don't have anything to prove. We don't have to keep grinding all the time. In it, God says, stop doing and just be. 
Be a creature. Be the creature you are. Be the rescued. Be the beloved daughter or son you are. That's the invitation. And so how can we get started? To our third question, how how can we take God up on this amazing invitation and, and start practicing it in our own lives? Well, you, you do have to be careful when you start talking about Sabbath and, and how to practice it specifically because it's so easy to make it about trying to do it the right way. When, when I was first introduced to it in seminary in a significant way, this is what uh, I did with it. I was so focused on doing it the right way, um, on doing it in a way that my professors would approve of or other pastors would uh, approve of. And it me- ended up just making me super anxious every week. And I absolutely drove Sarah crazy because I was so inconsistent. I would be like yelling at the Panthers game while telling her, hey, you can't do that. It's not restful. It's like, uh, something's wrong with this picture. <laughs> it's so easy to do that. But, but Jesus says in the gospels, the Sabbath was made for us. It was made for man, not, the man, for, not man for the Sabbath. And so there's no one perfect way to do it. We all have different personalities. We all have different temperaments. We all are in different life stages and seasons, different job situations. It's hard for me to have a true Sabbath today on Sundays because obviously I have to work. And, and so we don't need to lay out a ton of here's what you can and here's what you can't do. But let me, just, let me just give you three suggestions, three principles I think we can all take and then apply uniquely to us in our situations. And, and these aren't original to me. I'm basically just compiling and pulling these from a lot of the most helpful stuff I've read, including from some of the authors I've already mentioned this morning. But here they are, three suggestions, three principles. So here's the, here's the first one. If we want to begin to do this, we need to make a plan to stop and rest. Simple, but we need to make a plan to stop and rest. As we've seen, it's hard to do this, uh, but it's, it's central to the Sabbath. And so we got to be intentional. We got to make a plan. We need to just plan to do it for one. And then we got to plan how we're going to actually make it happen. We got to make plans with our, our job so we can be off and take a break. We got to make plans for our work that we don't get paid for, right? Our errands, our chores, different tasks, other responsibilities we have. And then aside from work and tasks that are obvious, we can think about what else God might invite us to rest from, to stop and rest from. Pete Scazzaro mentions some other things, possible things like physical exhaustion, hurriedness, worry, competitiveness, technology as some possible ideas. Whatever it is for you, we've got to make a plan. I know from experience, as much as I'd like to think, because I'm excited about this or want to do it, it's going to happen. It won't unless I plan it. So we got to start here and, and Make a plan to stop and rest. And the second thing is this. We've got to set apart time with God. We've got to set apart time with God. We don't stop and rest just for ourselves. We do it so that we can be with God, so we can keep the day holy to the Lord. And so as we're making a plan, as we're preparing to practice the Sabbath, we need to set apart time to be with him. And of course, it starts here. It's an easy one. In being in worship together on Sunday mornings, that needs to be a, a priority for us, but also individually, planning time to be alone with God, to read scripture, to pray, to read an encouraging book, maybe spend some time in silence or solitude, sitting on your porch or going for a walk, just listening to God, 
Just being with your creator and your redeemer who wants to be with you, who wants to refresh you. And then third and finally, let yourself delight. Just let yourself delight. As we slow down, rest, be with God, we let ourselves delight. Delight in him, delight in God himself, but also in what he's given us, the creation he's given us, the people he's put in our life, the things he's made us to love to do, the things that make our heart come alive. As we rest, we delight in his works. We let ourselves just enjoy for no reason other than just to enjoy because that's who God made us to be and what he made us to do. There's more and, and a lot more we could say about all three of these, but if we just start there with those three things, I think we can begin to discover or maybe rediscover the invitation God has for us in this day. As I alluded to in the beginning, I'm, I'm not at all an expert in this. I, I'm definitely still learning it and especially what it looks like in the stage of life I'm in with three small kids. Like what does rest look like? I'm kind of developing a new working definition of what that is. But what gets me so excited is thinking about us learning this together. I mean, did, did you notice from the commands how communal this is? This isn't something you go do by yourself. This is something we do together. Everybody's involved. And I love thinking about that. I'm learning, thinking about us learning to practice this as a family. It becoming a big part of who we are and how we live, even if it takes us a while to get it, and, and it will. But what if we became a family of people who in our world of doing can learn to trust God enough to stop our doing once a week just to be, to stop and rest from our works so we can rest in Jesus and what he's done for us. And to end where we began, I love the vision Eugene Peterson closes his article with that I referenced earlier. Uh, This is how he envisions it. Here's what he says. He says, as a few Christians in a few churches and a few communities in America keep a Sabbath, pockets of resistance are formed that provide access to leisured and loving time for the people around them in the same way that national parks preserve access to the beauties of wilderness space. These pockets of hidden holiness preserve our American days and keep each week accessible to creation work and resurrection appearances. See, it turns out this is much more than a day off. Uh, This is what God offers us in the fourth commandment. Let me pray. Father, thank you um, for how you love us and how you know what we need more than we do and how we see that specifically in this commandment to rest. We are not good at doing it. We're not good at resting. I know I'm not. And so um, thank you for literally commanding us to do it um, in these Ten Commandments. And I pray that uh, you'd be with us as we um, seek to receive this invitation. Um, I pray that most of all you'd help us to see uh, Jesus and the work that you've done for us through him so that the, the true deep work is done Uh, that we'd see that freshly today, that we'd believe that, and um, that that would allow us to be, uh, be the men and women you've made us to be, who are deeply loved by you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.